Happy Throwdown Thursday, Shakes Pals. We're back again. I know. Did you miss us? Uh, congratulations to Corey from last week for winning with King Hamlet as the most impactful death in all of Shakespeare. Corey and Elise were amazing guests, and you all should go listen to Shakespeare Anyone right now. Or you can wait 20 minutes, let this episode finish, and then go listen to Shakespeare Anyone. Either way is fine with me, but you should definitely do both. So massive thank you to them for coming on, and massive thank you to Riley Anna for coming on this week to talk about the merriest murderess in all of Shakespeare. So we looked at some of the women, which I always love doing, and it was just a grand old time. So thanks, Riley, for being here. Thank you for listening. Um, Thanks to my mom for listening, because I know that she's here. Um, and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash P2M pod. Check out sketching Shakespeare coming up, uh, the first weekend in May this month. So me and Emily Swan are going to be at twitch.tv slash a swan named Emily the first Sunday in May, looking at some of the, uh, one of the speeches in Shakespeare and Swan's going to be drawing it as a comic. It's really fun. Really cool. We get to chat all things art and Shakespeare. So keep an eye out for that happening. Follow us on Twitter at P2M Pod, follow us on TikTok at P2M Pod, and follow us on Instagram at Serious Business Network. And follow us in your hearts. <laughs> Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare showdown podcast where a guest and I go head to head each week, and you get to decide who wins. Okay, this week we are looking at the characters who had it coming. With me, I've got actress and playwright Riley Anna. Riley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to just rant about Shakespeare opinions. I think that that's that's one of my favorite pastimes, and so I'm delighted to do it in a formal environment. (laughs) Well, yeah, this is the perfect place to rant about Shakespeare opinions. Um, Riley, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and where people can find you? All right. So I am based in Portland right now. I just recently graduated from the University of Portland with a degree in theater. Um, My main gig that gives me money is I do, aside from my like office job, but that doesn't count. Um, Gives you money and joy. That gives me money and joy is I'm a junior associate artist with the original practice Shakespeare Festival, um, which if you are a listener of this podcast, you will have heard of because uh, Liz Bellows and Jen Lanier, um, who have both been featured, are on this. And Liz is actually the one who was like, hey, Riley, there's this podcast that you should absolutely try to be on. Um <laughs> But if you hear it at first uh, here, folks, if you want to try to be on this show, you just you just tell me you tell me and you can you can do that. You can be on it. I want you here. I did it. It was great. Um, Here I am. But yeah, so if you are new to the podcast, if you're just listening because you're my friend, um, Original Practice Shakespeare, we are based in Portland. We do accessible like free Shakespeare in the parks. Um, and our shtick is that we do it the way that Shakespeare would have done it. There was no rehearsal in Shakespeare's day, so we do not rehearse. Um, we have our lines and our little like cues on a scroll for ourselves. Um, we practice fight songs and dances because those are the things you don't want to do in the moment. 
And then day of the show, we show up and we perform and it's almost Shakespeare meets improv. It is so fun. It's led to like incredible emotions and comedy at all ends of the spectrum in the moment. Um, it scared the living daylights out of me when I was auditioning because I was like, I, I'm a thwarted English major. I need preparation. I need textual like deep dives, but it's been so good for me just like getting to do so many shows and so much, you know, Shakespeare that you would have never expected. Um, and we do also a lot of non-traditional casting. This is the queerest Shakespeare you'll find yes. this side of the Mississippi. Um, our fa my favorite one that we did last summer was Lesbian Othello, where both of the main couples were all women. It was incredible. Honestly, I feel like that's how Shakespeare wanted it. So Honestly, we're just giving him what he wanted. We're giving him what he wanted. And if he didn't want it, he can come back and tell us himself. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's dead. So he doesn't get to say. He's dead. He doesn't have an opinion of it anymore. <laughs> so that's my main my main hustle is I'm with Original Practice Shakespeare. I love them desperately. Um, also, my best friend and I uh, have a smaller like theater company that we started during the pandemic called Do It For Mead Productions, um, named after our beloved theater history professor, Mead Hunter. Um, oh. although the double meaning of mead, the liquor that stands, um, <laughs> basically our shtick was just that we want, there is a lot of theater that we want to see out in the world. Um, and somebody has got to do it. And so it may as well be us. Um, I love that. Yes. That's uh, yes. I, mm, yep. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's the only our, way to do it. That's been our shtick. Our most recent project. Um, I wrote a play about pirates because I think there need to be more of them. It's called The Misadventures of Missy Black, a pirate play. Um, and so in November, we got like 15 of my friends together, some of the ops folks, some of the folks I knew from school. We filmed it in a coffee shop over the space of about a week. Um, and that is up, that's on the internet now. It exists. It's, it was the time of my life. It was so good. So, Oh, that's awesome. Where that's can people awesome. find that? Where can people find you? Um, so I am on Instagram, mostly my handle, uh, my name is Riley Anna. My handle is an extraordinary girl, but G R R L because G I R L was taken. Um, <laughs> and that's the thing anyway. Um, uh, ops, you can find Instagram is only at ops, O P S, um, or just look up original practice Shakespeare festival on your platform of choice and we will be there we're also on tiktok liz is big on tiktok that's where you guys met if i remember correctly yep, it um, sure is. <laughs> and then do it for me productions uh is going to be instagram at do it for mead m-e-a-d official and that's that's where i am Brilliant. All right. Well, let's dive into today. So we are looking at the most merry murderous, the merriest murderous in all of Shakespeare. And Riley, this is something that you brought to the table for our season of uh, death. And why don't you tell me a little bit about what interests you about this topic and kind of your thought process leading up to it? Oh, I well, I'm a sucker for like, female characters in Shakespeare. I'm a big sucker for like, playing male characters as women, but I'm a bigger sucker for like the women that we have. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that death 
and murder is such an interesting thing when we get into talks of like gender and power and like how that's portrayed, which is a whole nother rant. Um, <laughs> it's a whole podcast on itself. That's, it's, that's a podcast in itself. But I was really excited to like dig in and look and look at it and be like, okay, who like, there's a ton of murder in Shakespeare. How much of it is actually committed by women? Um, not as much as you'd think. There's a lot of like women who tell the men that they should commit murder which is a valid genre I I made a career out of that in undergrad that was like all of my big roles um was telling men to do bad things um but that is yeah so who are the women who commit murder how are they treated what's their deal how awesome are they because they're all so awesome So, Riley, who do you think is the best lady murderer in Shakespeare? Oh, I am going to reveal my nerd credentials, and I'm going to say that Margaret of Anjou from Henry VI and Richard III is the best, the greatest lady murderer in all of Shakespeare. Okay. All right. And who do I think is the best lady murderer? You think that Lady Macbeth is the best lady murderer. All right. Well, now you've prefaced this by saying there's a difference between women who do the murder and women who convince. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to need a few. I think they're, I think they're both really valid. That's the thing. They're valid and incredible and awesome. All right. And I think that criminally, like criminally, (laughs) they're both liable. So I think it counts, frankly. Yeah, that is absolutely true. (laughs) There is. I got in a fight on Facebook once by saying that Lady Macbeth is responsible for the murder of Duncan. She's absolutely. Macbeth is Macbeth had ideas and he's strong. And I was like, oh, boy. Like this, that doesn't hold up in a court of law. (laughs) Macbeth is strong is not the textually supported all right Riley why don't you take it away for Margaret of Anjou because she is a character who has not had any airtime on this show and I am so excited for her moment so oh I'm I'm excited too I took many many notes Stephanie's seen them um I'm very excited to rant about Margaret of Anjou this whole episode is just going to be me convincing you all to read Henry VI part three um All right, why is Margaret of Anjou the greatest murderess in all of Shakespeare? Um, First of all, she is a badass at all ages, even before the murders start. Um, We meet her first in Henry VI part one. She's 15 years old. She is a prisoner of war. And in that scene, the main thing that we see her do is roast Suffolk for breaking the fourth wall. Like he spends the whole scene talking to the audience being like, I'm kind of in love with this prisoner of mine. What am I going to do? And she spends the whole scene going, are you out of your mind? Why are you doing this? What are you doing? Um, No fear, no shame. Just walks in the gate and starts eviscerating this man. And I think that that's great. Um, (laughs) And then as she grows up and starts like getting more power and leading more, um, one of the coolest, she's just like, she's vision focused. She's about the big picture you know, Henry and all of the nobles are squabbling and she's one of the people who's able to like see threats for what they are and deal with them. She's like, hey, the Duke of Gloucester is problem. We should probably have him killed. And it happens. Um, And ultimately that's not, like that is because she wants what's best for her family. 
Um, I think it's probably actor's choice how much she actually loves Henry. Um, but what's not debatable at all is how much she loves Edward, how much she loves her son. Um, she can and will and does do literally anything to make sure that he gets his birthright. Um, which brings us to the murder. Um, one of the fun facts about Margaret is she's also the only woman in Shakespeare who kills someone on stage. Because um, there are other like women in Shakespeare, like Goneril uh, uh -huh. kills Regan, but that happens like, you know, you leave the stage, you poison them politely and discreetly somewhere else. No, Margaret gets York up on a molehill, rants at him for a while, and then stabs him for all to see. And it's great. That, if you read any of Henry VI, read it for um, for the Battle of Wakefield and for that particular scene. Um, the, Duke of, the Duke of York has been a thorn in her side kind of from the jump. And this is the point where she finally has him in her power. Uh, and she she's recently, her, her, one of her men just recently killed his son. Um, he is understandably distraught about this. Uh, he's been trying to become king in case y'all aren't up on your Henry VI, I'm going <laughs> to give you the short version. York has been trying to become king. Um, Margaret and friends capture him, put him up on a molehill and are like, look at you, you big, cool king. They put a paper crown on his head. I'm going to quote a little bit of the monologue. It's too long to do the whole thing, but I just think it's really cool. And I think that everyone should read it. Henry VI, three, act one, scene three. She says, alas, poor York, but that I hate thee deadly, I should lament thy miserable state. I prithee grieve to make me marry York. Why art thou patient, man? Thou shouldst be mad. And I, to make thee mad, do mock thee thus. And it's just like a page and a half of just eviscerating this guy. She hands him a handkerchief dipped in the blood of his murdered son. And is like, here, dry your eyes with this. Um, it's great. And then she stabs him on stage. Um, and you would think that being so unmaidenly, she would then have to like die or something to be narratively punished for her crimes, right? Yeah. Wrong. Absolutely <laughs> wrong. She lives. I mean, okay, so she does lose a lot. Henry gets murdered. Edward gets murdered. She loses her crown. She's banished. But she lives to snark another day. And even like, so at the end of Henry VI, three, she's banished on pain of death. And then in Richard III, she's just back in England. And Richard literally says, like, hey, Margaret, weren't you banished on pain of death? Um, and she's like, yeah, but I hated it, so I'm back. <laughs> and no one, no one in the royal family stopped her, apparently. So she just gets to hang out and, like, curse all her enemies for the entire play. God, she's so good. She's so great. And that's the, so in terms of, like, how many murders we can count to her, depending on how you play with like magic and prophecy in Richard III, either she, because she predicts basically every death in the play, except for maybe Clarence. Um, so either she's just using like authorial hindsight to foreshadow everything, or she's actually cursing and killing everyone in this play, including Richard, which mm -hmm. just for the entertainment value alone, I'm going to say is what happens. Um, also at that. one point, at one point she calls Richard and Elizabeth Woodville, you wrangling pirates, which is just a great <laughs> and underrated Shakespearean insult. Um, yeah. 
So in conclusion, if the only insults your enemies can come up with are your dad was poor and you're ugly and you're too mean to be feminine, then you won. Tiger's heart wrapped in a woman's hide is a compliment. Margaret of Anjou is the greatest murderess in all of Shakespeare. I feel like I need to clap <laughs> for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank um, you. But have you considered Lady Macbeth, though? I feel like the the most important part of doing a murder is doing just enough to benefit from it without getting in trouble, without losing your crown and, you know, getting banished and all that, yada, yada, yada. Um, now, Lady Macbeth and Macbeth are two very separate entities that we need to totally separate if my argument is going to have any legs at all. <laughs> because <laughs> Lady Macbeth has the perfect, you know, air quotes on a podcast plan. And she knows exactly who to target, who to murder, um, and then how to end that before any suspicion, before... And, you know, she even covers for Macbeth when he goes a little loopy with um, bang killing Banquo. She's able to cover for him just so far until he just does so much damage that she cannot recover from that. So Lady Macbeth's only mistake is her choice of husband. <laughs> uh, <laughs> until that, she basically has got it made. She is strong. She is smart. She is uh, convincing. She is able to plead her case and argue it to Macbeth and convince him to carry out this murder for her. So her hands do stay clean, you know, relatively, um, <laughs> whether her mind tells her they are or not. In literal and terms, they stay very clean. Yes. And well, until she goes and gets the daggers and then that's, you know, that moment of seeing Macbeth break and not being able to go back and finish the job or do the job properly. Like, I mean, she lays out very specific instructions. Go do this murder. Put the knives with the grooms so that they seem guilty and then come back and we'll go to bed. Like quite, quite, quite simple. It's really easy. It's like three it's steps really tops. Exactly. Um, apparently Duncan's sleeping there looking like her dad. Otherwise, you know, she would have just taken care of it herself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she has a perfect plan. She tries to carry it through the best that she can. But in the end, it is her husband's being a big dumb dummy that is what causes the downfall. Because if they had stopped there, there's no way if Banquo had survived, if Macbeth's fam uh, Macduff's family had not been targeted. There's no way that all of this suspicion would have come back on them. Everyone loves the Macbeths at the start of the play. They are clearly good hosts. They are clearly good people. They are clearly, you know, running a great party at their castle. People like them. Macbeth is the best warrior. People like him, even, even though he's a big dumb dummy. They probably like him because he's a big dumb dummy, that they can he's tell him himbo. to go do things. Exactly. Such a himbo. And Lady Macbeth is the, she's smart and she's charming. So if they had been able to carry out that one, just that one murder, leave it at that, become king and queen, rule Scotland, she would have run things like through the roof. It would have been great. Would have been wonderful if he had just listen to his wife and stop there and not let his um uh, like not paranoia. Let his paranoia get the better of him 
And so that's why I think that she is uh, the smartest and best murderess of the bunch because she's able to know what to do and when to stop. And that's, I think, the biggest thing with, with murder is knowing when to stop. <laughs> knowing when to people. stop. No, the thing is, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that, <laughs> unfortunately, that's one of Margaret's downfalls. I'm going to mm-hmm. argue against myself real quickly because, like, <laughs> like, that's the thing is at the end when things are going bad, you know, and the York boys have her and her son captured, she just sort of keeps, like, needling and keeps pushing mm-hmm. their right and their advantage. And that and Edouard does the same thing because he's a son of his mother. And so mm-hmm. it gets him stabbed for his troubles. Um, and so I think that you're right. Like having, knowing when to stop is the mark of a very <laughs> successful murderer. Um, so that would have been, yeah, that would have been my one point against Margaret with how badass she is start to finish is that she's a little too open about the murder and that's what causes her to kind of get cast out because of it um, is that she does te- technically lose in the end. But I mean, really, like she's winning our hearts. So yeah, that's, know, potato, the, that's the thing. So all of these all of these ladies that we could have talked about is like their girl bosses in our hearts forever. So <laughs> the real victory is theirs. Exactly. Um yeah, I think that I think Lady Macbeth's ability to look like the innocent flower and be the serpent under it is really what moves her ahead in that in that girl boss. She is she is a viper. Uh, she is gatekeeping, <laughs> gaslighting, gaslighting and girl bossing girl boss. like a champ. <laughs> Absolutely. So who so her if her downfall was her loser husband, who mm. do you think would have been the partner that would have just like pushed her to greatness oh what a good question um goneril no reagan oh reagan might have been too dangerous reagan might be too dangerous reagan's another one who's like super public with her yeah violence she's a bit too unhinged uh well who hold on let me who slips the poison? Goner is the one who does the poisoning, I think. Who? Yes. So Goneril. Goneril as partner for Lady Macbeth. And I think you cannot keep those two down. First of all, that is a couple that it had never occurred to me to ship. <laughs> but now I, I need to see it happen. Hey, Ops, I have some ideas for the summer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Goneril slash Lady Macbeth murdering the what's the what's the song that Roxy and Velma do at the end of Chicago? Um, uh, hot honey, hot, <laughs> hot honey, honey rag. It's Goneril and Lady Macbeth <laughs> doing the hot honey rag. <laughs> but now I'm thinking, like, imagine that Duncan's not the king and it's Lear, so Lear is still in power and. Lady Macbeth convinces Macbeth to murder Lear. And so now we've got like, yes, I mean, Lady Macbeth's married to Macbeth, but now he's just a pawn in the murder. And we've got Goneril, who's also married off. But like, then we have this uh, daughter of the fallen king and then wife of the current king. And then we have this whole like side plot that happens with Lady Macbeth and Goneril. Oh, 
I, the fan fiction writes itself. <laughs> it does, because when Macbeth starts going off and murdering people on his own, like we can't have that. He just leaves Lady Macbeth at home to do whatever. What's she going to do? What's well, she going to do? There's also the interesting thing of like, Lady M's problem is that Macbeth gets too trigger happy. And then mm. Goneril's problem is that Albany gets cold feet. Uh-huh. And so yes. like the t- if the two of them have each other to like balance them out, like there's going to be the exact right amount of murder happening with these yes, two. Yes, exactly. It's the perfect combination. Perfect recipe. <laughs> <laughs> I love this so much. You, Yeah, you won me over. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Macbeth just needs the right the right paramour slash murder buddy murder murder buddy murder pal um so i will turn that back around on you who is the right person to keep margaret of anjou a little less needly at the end who's who's the one to reel her in a bit to give her more of a successful ending? give her a little bit more of an edge yeah it would never happen because they hate each other's absolute guts. But I think if Margaret and Richard III teamed up, they would be absolutely goddamn unstoppable. You kind of have the same same idea that like really public and then really underhanded kind of yeah. body. Oh, yeah. Well, then, and then it's so interesting because Richard like always looks like he's up to no good. Like everyone's looking, everyone spends the entire play being like, you are clearly uh, evil because you're ugly, which is another podcast is ableism in Richard III. Um, Mm. But everyone spends their time like ragging on him for how like evil he looks. And the same with Margaret where they're like, you're ugly and you're not feminine and you're blah, blah, blah. But like, if that's what people are focusing on, then you have a lot of time underneath to just sort of like, do your do your schemes and i think richard knows a little better the importance of timing um yes and waiting for things subtlety a little subtlety a little bit like making nice with the people that you have to make nice with um and then i think margaret also is like mistrustful enough like richard's downfall ultimately is that he trusts the wrong people and luckily Mm -hmm. margaret trusts absolutely no one so Margaret would be like, Buckingham, get him out of here. Stanley, behead him now. Like Stanley would have been beheaded in act three and everything would have gone great. So I think if the I... two of them somehow <laughs> paired up, the course of English history would be very different. Uh, really exciting, though. <laughs> very, really very interesting. A lot to talk very about. Very bloody. <laughs> very, very bloody. Y'all, what do you think? Um, are you team Margaret or team Lady Macbeth? What, who do you think is the most merry murderous in Shakespeare? Who's a new couple? Do you want to see more Lady Macbeth and Goneril or Margaret of Anjou and Richard the third? I think that's a separate question. We'll do like a follow-up poll on that (laughs) because I feel like there's going to be a lot of discussion for both of those things. But Riley, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love the excuse to just like search Margaret's name in all of the Henry's and just take notes on all of her badassery. (laughs) It was a joy. Oh, I'm so happy. Go ahead and tell everyone again where they can find you and your work. Of course, um, you can find me personally 
um, on Instagram at an extraordinary girl, girl, G-R-R-L. Um, you can find my uh, theater company's original practice, Shakespeare, which I am, is not mine personally, but it is my dear home. Uh, original practice Shakespeare, only at Ops um, or Ops Fest. And then Do It For Mead, which is mine with my friend, is going to be on Instagram at Do It For Mead, M-E-A-D, official. I love it. Thank you for being here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Serious business.